1025. It's time to talk football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good evening and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard Premiership clubs meet with a view to ending the league season The move to crown Celtic as champions and relegate Hearts Is expected to be made in the coming days And Europe gets braced for the return of German football I'm Gordon Duncan, joining me tonight is Daryl Broadfoot in the studio And from the Man Cave, it's Mr Hugh Keevans Declaring Celtic champions will create an explosion Oh, he's he's got technical he's issues, Daryl Broadfoot. We're going to need to we're going to need to reboot him after yeah. five seconds of the show. You can just pick up where he left off. I think what he was going to say is if if Celtic are offered the title, which I th- I think is now an inevitability, uh, the hotline will be red hot tonight. Hotter than usual. It'll be hotter than normal. Um, but the reality is, what what is the only course of action? We keep hearing, and we've had an amnesty. In statements in the last 24 hours Will we get to the end of the show I think this is the second day in a row Without anything Ridiculous Um, So maybe now we can get back on To the more important things Of how do we get football back safely I listened to um, The National Clinical Director Jason Leach Today And he outlined that While things are improving We still cannot become complacent Football is not immune to coronavirus So we have to heed the warnings Yeah 0141 951 1025 To get your calls in Hugh Keevans will be here Don't you worry about that Daryl Broadfoot's here as well To take your calls If you would rather tweet Then you can do that as well At Clyde SSB Um, Will we try him once more Hugh Keevans can you hear us Have you got us loud and clear Yeah, what I was going to say to you, Gordon, is that Celtic have been the best team, Celtic have been the most consistent team, and Celtic have been the team with the strongest mentality. So you can put an asterisk against the title if you must, but subconsciously people will know it was the only possible call in the midst of an impossible situation. Yeah, I mean, to bring us up to speed on, on where we're at today, Darrell, like you say, in, in the last couple of weeks it's been fast and furious, things moving all the time and statements, claim and counterclaim, it's a bit quieter in the last couple of days, but... Perhaps significantly quiet in the background The Scottish Premiership Clubs have met today um, By video conference of course As is the way And it looks like they'll agree to crown Celtic champions And relegate Hearts Any decision would still need SPFL board approval And I don't think any board meeting is planned until early next week So for anyone who's waiting on it tonight And famous last words when they go and do it in half an hour's time But it'll probably be the beginning of next week Just a reminder that date The 25th of May That's hanging over us From UEFA um, It doesn't mean we have to go To the 25th of May And it looks like We'll go a little bit earlier Yeah and, and the decision Should be by that time To give UEFA comfort So that they can then Start to plan for Champions League Europa League And Scotland can have Its nominated representatives Like you uh, Premiership meeting today In fact Ongoing um, I suspect there will be Agreement in principle That the decision will be made But it's the decision Of the SPFL board they meet early next week I think it's Monday And at that point I suspect the ratification of um, Title Relegation uh, And then we'll have The usual on the show um, It's going to, Nobody is going to be Universally in support of the decision But to take Hugh's point There's only one outcome you can have Anybody who thinks And I know Murdoch McLennan Opened up the possibility of football in July I can't see it there's no chance football will be played in Scotland in July. What they need to do is work out the best way you can get football back safely when the government deems it appropriate. And in the meantime, it's the only course of action that the SPFL have seen to 
uh, fit to, to agree And the members have already given them the mandate And as we mentioned Hugh it's, it's quietened down a little bit In the last couple of days But I know you'll be keen to have your say On what's been quite a week in Scottish football I mean I toyed with the idea of getting you on midweek But I don't want to work you too hard During these uncertain times So I, I thought everyone could wait until Friday um, I know you'll, be, you'll have been pacing the man cave Thinking deeply about what's going on in Scottish football Over the last few days Well Gordon For me it comes down to the old tribal lines Having been drawn Rangers uh, say that the SPL FPFL hierarchy Campaign against scrutiny and accountability Celtic say that it was wrong of Rangers To denigrate individuals And by that they mean Murdoch McLennan, Neil Doncaster and Rod McKenzie I'm awarding the Nobel Peace Prize jointly To Motherwell who had a statement which said Now is not the time for all of this And they'll share it with the Morton Chief Executive Davy McKinnon who said that Aggression does not win hearts and minds A brave attempt Davy, useless <laughs> you old cynic I mean yeah Daryl As we we draw the week to a close and, and we reflect on it Have we heard the, the end of all that? Probably not But at least for the meantime It looks like we really do have to deal with The biggest problem facing us And that's the safety in the return of football Listen there's affairs of state to be dealt with now um, The independent investigation I, I completely understand and respect Clubs wish to, to, to put on the table for an AGM um, But there is no there, there have been no winners in this episode uh, I think Scottish football um, Is worse off for it um, I remember at the start of lockdown Saying that Scottish football In fact in, in this studio Scottish football has a chance um, To remind people of why it's the national sport And a chance to show The positive impacts that football can have In the last 2-3 weeks It's been an utter embarrassment An embarrassment to the sport And an embarrassment at a time when The sport needs to come together For its very survival So no winners. Neil Doncaster, I think, has been damaged by it. Reputation, I think he would acknowledge that. Um, I think clubs and their inability to um, do the right thing at the right time. Um, self-interest is, is inevitable in, in, in Scottish football. Um, and we should now dispense of the cliche of the greater good of Scottish football because nobody in the last two weeks who has spoken out and who has used... Hostile language Has done anything For the greater good Of Scottish football It's the greater good Of those clubs And as unpalatable As some of it is That's what happens When you get into A time of crisis That people Think about themselves And think about Their survival Now We've had the amnesty Of the last 24-48 hours And I'd like to think We can get back To doing the right thing and getting on with the business of keeping clubs afloat And getting football back as soon as we can I mean Hugh, it's not often I would kick off the show With a tweet rather than a call But I think I'll, I'll break from that the habit of a lifetime Just to underline these difficult trying times that we're in Brad has sent me a tweet And I, I wonder if Brad is perhaps a Hearts fan um, And he just says Can I remind you that it's ejection from the Premiership And not relegation I'm, I'm sorry Brad that, that, That's just where we're at Hugh Keevans It's ejection, not relegation Yeah, well, that's semantics. You know, whatever happens, Hearts will play in a lower league uh, next season. And it's deeply regrettable, uh, even though Anne Budge, Craig Levine, Austin McPhee, Daniel Stendhal, they have all contributed towards a thoroughly miserable season. And let's not forget, Hearts managed to win only four games all season. But for me, Gordon, 
the bottom line here is we've had the EGM. We've had the vote. Now, where do we go from here? It's up to Rangers. Hearts, Aberdeen, Livingston, who all supported Rangers, they can't afford court action. Rangers, if they want to do it, they have to take up the cudgels now. What is their case? Is it wrongdoing? That wasn't really highlighted in the dossier. They need to be clear. For me, it's still all about suspicion. Rangers suspicion, the SPFL is pro-Celtic. Whether you want to call it rejection, uh, relegation, ejection, it's unfair. It's unfair that before the season can be concluded, Hearts, Partick Thistle, Stranraer will be down a division and that Brora, Rangers and Kelty, Hearts won't be getting up via the playoff. But the world's an unfair place just now. And as unfair as it is, it's inevitable. It, it, it's going to happen. And Hugh said that he, he doesn't think clubs can afford it. Whether they can or can't, they will be doing it. It's, again, they've got a duty to their fans to be seen to be doing the right thing. So as much as I'd like to think on Monday, things can move on. It's not going to happen. And it's not going to happen because we're seeing what's happening in France with League One uh, and clubs already threatening to take legal action. And in the last half an hour, the Belgian uh, Pro League has, has taken the same action. What we are living in is not unique to Scotland and Scottish football. We have to just suck it up. Yeah, as Darrell says, actually, just before we came on air, confirmed in Belgium today, they've called their league Club Bruges our champions of Belgium. They've relegated a team as well, uh, Vlasland Beveren, who are furious. We're being sacrificed, they say. It's outrageous. So, um, not that it will make you feel any better, but it's not only us. Everyone's having these problems. Let's go straight to the phones 0141 951 1025. Paul is first up tonight. What have you got for us, Paul? Hey, hi, Gordon. How's it going? How you doing? Uh, tonight it's just really what most people are saying. Uh, now this, I know people are saying that's good to come to me as Celtic fan. They need to hold the league. They need to get it done and dusted and give people a chance to try to get ready for next season whenever next season is going to start. If you, listen, if you take football out of it all together and you listen to the evidence through the, the clinical director of Scotland... Football's no starting back. They're not getting to play the games in June. It's totally unrealistic. We, we're not the English Premiership. Uh, we, we, our league isn't the same. But we just need to. We just need to get it called to try to have some kind of normality. And as well, I would think they really think they're just as well doing it now. So this doesn't drag on and drag on and drag on. We've had the investigation stuff with this, this, the comments and people on the happy. And, but there needs to be an end to it. It has to come to an end. And the sooner the better. Yep, I think there's been a... If there's been a misstep, I think the misstep early on was conflating the two issues, the distribution of money and calling the league. And I think had there been a, a more concerted effort to say we will try and finish the season... As far as we possibly can And the point at which that becomes impossible Then distribution I think the clubs who are most vexed by this Feel legitimately That too soon was the agenda Was the narrative about we have to call the season And if we don't call the season you can't get your money That's where I think the biggest misstep was uh, From the SPFL And that's what's led to some of this rancour and and acrimony We're now in a situation Where despite saying that football will be on in July it ain't going to happen. Clubs are needing money and UEFA need 
a definitive from Scottish football as indeed with other 54 national associations across Europe. Um, so that's where we're at. And I think if uh, people looking back and saying, can lessons be learned? I think that's the lesson that the SPFL will have learned, but they will justifiably say, but we got what the members want. We've got the money and we've got certainty. I just think they could have avoided some of the rancour. Here. Um, for me again, the, the, I think uh, Paul, the caller, is correct. Uh, you know, we had a, a meeting of the twelve Premiership clubs hosted by Aberdeen uh, earlier on in the week. There was unanimous, and I underline the word unanimous because that became a bone of contention. Uh, there was a unanimous agreement that football was not possible. Unanimous because that. To end this season was not possible. Therefore, having already accepted that null and void was not an option, what other alternative is there for the SPFL? They have to call the league, and that, that will mean Celtic champions, hearts relegated. End of story. Yeah, but again, you have you have to accept you if you're if you're heart of Midlothian, uh, Partick Thistle, whose whose fate is sealed because obviously lower leagues were called. But when you see the chairman saying. We need to get football back on as quickly as we can in July. Then they can rightly think, well, why can't you look to finish the current season in July and start the new season sometime in August? And again, legitimately, SPFLs will have the Betfred to factor in and then start the new Sky contract. Unprecedented times. And I think that clarity, this is what we'll try and do to get football on, but it's impossible, would have helped, I think, diffuse some of the tension, but, but not all of it. Uh, Paul, as a Celtic fan We're expecting that decision Within the next couple of days How are you f feeling about it, Paul? Because, I mean, it's clearly not going to feel the, the exact same way the others did Because you're not there And you don't have that full-time whistle And that rush of emotions How are you feeling about the, 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 the prospect of The title being awarded within the next few days? I just feel as if it will be I mean, it's a bit, it's annoying. It's annoying because you want to play the games. I mean, I'm an adult. I mean, I understand it the, the way that the world is. I mean, it's we can only find so many excuses and for uh, blame, blame them and blame them. Celtic were going to win the league. They, they, I mean, they were going to win the league. I mean, I've put my mortgage on them going to win the league. Uh, I'll be happy. I mean, I'm not particularly bothered about. You can try to take it an asterisk or that. That's not matter. They'll still, they'll still have won the league, and it'll be them on the road to trying to get ten in a row. But I mean, if it was Hearts had won the league, would there, there have been an access against their name? I don't, I don't really care. I just want it done and dusted, and I just want the the, the league shut up. To be honest, you. Well, for me, uh, I think that having said that Celtic uh, are the best uh, side in the league and deserve the title, uh, you offer them congratulations when the time comes and it is made official. But for me, the celebrations among the Celtic supporters should be sober and reflective. Uh, they should show sensitivity and be mindful of the reason why the Premiership was called early. Over 2,000 people in Scotland are now dead. Among them will be Celtic supporters who have left behind grieving Celtic supporting families. So now is not a time for gloating and indulging in the bragging rights. Sober 
reflective celebrations and simply acknowledge that Celtic were the best team and deserved the title. I'm not sure if you can simplify anything in Scottish football, Darrell, but is that, if you take all the detail out of it, if you do take a step back, is that what this decision to call the league is actually about? Because if you've got a massive problem like finishing this season and another massive problem like starting next season, you're as well getting rid of one of them and dealing with with only one huge issue, which would be starting next season. Yeah, and 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 one decision that impacts two or three. So I have huge sympathy for the SPFL, but again, I think that the lingering resentment is over the seeming rush to call it earlier than they might have. They probably would have ended up at the same position, and where else but Scottish football would the most useless piece of punctuation in the English language be used as a weapon? Um, <laughs> asterisk from 2012 to 20. It doesn't matter. Um, fans will rightly have their bragging rights, but I think a lot of us in Scottish football, unfortunate enough to be to be part of it, you have to adopt a higher tariff of behaviour. And I think what's happened in recent weeks is clubs who should have known better across the board and at all levels um, forgot to adopt that higher tariff and, it, and it's time to get back to setting those standards. And when you look across Europe, we've been fascinated by this because... These are, what's the phrase you keep hearing? Unprecedented times So many times have you heard that phrase over the last few weeks So we don't have anything to compare it to So when leagues start declaring themselves around It's only natural that we're going to look and say Okay, are we comparable to the, the English Premier League And the millions there in the Bundesliga And to try and start back? No So then you look at France And you look at the Netherlands And you look at Belgium Belgium have joined France today In declaring a champion if you like Because there was that gap A similar gap to what we've got The Netherlands felt they couldn't do it Because their teams were levelling points so the, Is that what we're going to see In the next few weeks? Yeah, listen, football is a microcosm of society Scottish football is no different We, I, I think as a nation Hence uh, Jason Leach being on the show this morning Have looked at the English You know, we talk about divergence People are now looking to England going, well, they've got a bit more freedom. Why can't we have that? Now, it needs the constant reminder. And football can convey that message more powerfully than most. You have to stay in. You have to heed the advice, the right advice, to save lives. So, rightly, because it's a football show, we'll debate and dissect the the manifestations of that for Scottish football. But in the grand scheme of things, it's utterly irrelevant. Yes, we'll look at English football where they have either the choice of losing three quarters of a billion or a third of a billion. That's that's their financial imperative. And again, governmentally, Oliver Dowden, the culture secretary, saying we are opening the door because Boris Johnson wanted football to help put a smile on the nation's face. The most um, demanding uh, quote and, and, and probably the best quote I read in the last week was from Danny Rose. I don't care. About the nation's morale He cares about his family um, and, and that's what's been lost in it Football players whose you know, 50% of their earnings Has gone to help things like the NHS in England 100,000, £200,000 a week And now being used as a bit of theatre To help raise the nation's morale These people have families Parents, grandparents, kids And so I think in England Without us comparing ourselves They've lost sight of the realities here And again, it should be based on that reality Stuff today suggesting that the R number in England Has either been slightly underestimated or, or creeping up We have to take this seriously Football matters not a jot When people's lives are at stake 0141 951 Good time to get your call in We could be speaking to you next Clyde One Super Scoreboard With Thompson's personal injury
Treasury solicitors. Your comeback is on. Talk to Thompsons.com. Daryl Broadfoot is in the studio. Hugh Keevans is in the man cave. They're both waiting for you to get in touch. The usual vehicles for that on the phone or on Twitter at Clyde SSB. Kieran o- for the beard, Hugh? No, is he? Uh, is he what's the shaving routine looking Tom like? Tom Hanks cast away. No, I, I'm Niall Hall. <laughs> People are going to think <laughs> I'm cutting them off. To the shaving, uh, you know, I've, I've kept the boy band looks, uh, but I've, I've gone for the boy band look with regard to the shaving. But uh, that the hair is now getting to, I would say, Ken Dodd. <laughs> Kieran O'Grady has actually tweeted in And he says I think in a few weeks time The decision by the SPFL to call the league Will be looked at as being sensible Once the English leagues fall into utter chaos Wouldn't that be something Scottish football Trailblazers Darrell Broadfoot Is it too much to ask? No it, it, it will be proven to have been pragmatic I think sensible or whatever Again that that becomes a debate point I think it will be the pragmatic decision um, and when people look back, there'll be various um, stages at which people in their hearts of hearts will realise that, that better decisions could have been made or certainly better ways of um, articulating that. But you see it, Belgium's called it, France are in uh, a predicament just now. Um, the government intervened. Alexander Cheferin, UEFA's president, said the French have called it too early. Amiens put an advert in L'Equipe um, Outlining how unfair it is And relegation without completing the season is unfair It's grossly unfair But what else can you do? We talk about league reconstruction The league reconstruction group I think was a fool's errand A fool's errand because you could not get All of those clubs to agree on it Because they've tried it before And rightly, the SPFL rather than take the decision Said, well, it's a members' organisation, so if you can mm. find a way of working it, let's do it. It was never going to happen. Barry and Barhead's been hanging on for ages. Sorry, Barry. Sorry, on you Barry. Go. That's okay. No problem at all, panel. Well, we've not got plans tonight. <laughs> 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 um, I did, it just basically, my, my point was um, uh, Hugh rightly said um, when Celtic are crown champions, you know, the fans won't be happy and it'll be a, it'll be a kind of sober. Um, uh, uh, Celebration, celebration. Yeah, yeah um, And obviously um, A bit of self-reflection as well now, my, 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 my main gripe With all this that's happened is I'll, I'll be glad Celtic I've won it But the way in which A number of clubs In, in particular Rangers Have acted in all this Has been utterly appalling Right Ranger, The coronavirus Didn't um, Beat Rangers Eh uh, Hamilton beat Rangers at Ibrox. Hearts beat Rangers twice. Kilmarnock beat Rangers. Okay? Rangers failed Rangers. Nobody else. And I think all this was just a way of kicking the can along the road and making and hoping UEFA would say, you know what, we're going to call it across the board, null and void. Okay? This, all this asterisk talk and stuff like that is just, for me, it's just a smokescreen uh, for their feelings this season. The problem okay, is here, though, Barry. The problem is, are we not mixing a few different issues here? Because I, I've yet to come across any pundit in here who thought Rangers were going to catch Celtic. They all thought Celtic were going to win the league. But is that the point? Because you're focusing solely on the top of the Premiership, but you have to take the bigger picture into account. By that logic, where does that leave Hearts? Where does it leave Partick Thistle? Where does it leave Stranraer? That's where. A lot of the debate's coming from I know I know why we focus on the other side of it In, in this city 
Um, all the way, all the way down the division in Scotland, you can you can see that Motherwell will be grateful for finishing in third place. Aberdeen will be aggrieved, but in the grand scheme of things, it's unimportant. And I get that there will be bragging rights. Null and void was never going to happen. Null and void was the worst case scenario because if you null and void a season, the broadcasters will say, "Well, you've null and voided something that didn't happen, so we cannot pay out." So that would have had catastrophic financial implications for Scottish football. So the question was, can you complete Scottish football or do you call it? And there was always going to be the sands of time by which clubs needed the money. And we're at that critical point now. I've outlined where I thought the missteps had taken place. But we're at the point where I suspect come Monday or certainly by the start of next week, the champions will be crowned and relegation will be confirmed. So what will happen is rivalry kicks in. Rangers will understandably have their fan base feeling aggrieved because they didn't get the chance to get close with a couple of old firm games still to come. Aberdeen might be aggrieved that you know they're not having a chance of finishing third. And Hearts will be left with no option but to look at ways in which they can recoup mm. for some of the damage because finishing uh, last place in the league, and by the way, they were terrible this season. So from a sporting perspective, um, while I still think they had enough armoury to get out of it, very few of their own fans think that they could have had a legitimate chance or a legitimate gripe, but it's financial. One point one million to finish in twelfth place in the Premier League as opposed to half a million for topping the yeah. Championship. Financial realities in the middle of an economic crisis as a consequence of a pandemic. Gordon, I think we have to take into account the peculiar place in which we live. Barry is simply articulating the Celtic supporters' point of view that, never mind shouting and bawling about it, Celtic were the best team anyway. And I happen to agree with him, but we have to take into account where we live. I used to live in a housing estate called Drumchapel, and behind me was a guy called Andy Gray. Wonderful footballer, former England Footballer of the Year, plenty of caps for Scotland, Terrific footballer. And he used to tell me the story of how he and his brothers, uh, they would open up a packet of penguin biscuits and throw them along the table, but nobody would eat the one in the green wrapper. And that's the kind of place we live in. You know, so it would be the same for Celtic supporters. You wouldn't eat the one in the blue wrapper. Yeah, Barry... I'm just wondering about the, the logic behind it Because again, I feel like everyone agrees with you Everyone agrees Celtic have, have been the best team But if it was that simple Would you apply it to the bottom? Would, do you do you feel that, well, Hearts have been the worst team So relegate them with no sympathy attached? Obviously not No, I, I, I really do have sympathy for Hearts I mean, people are going to lose their jobs and stuff like that Because relegation means cutting uh, wage budgets uh, And stuff like that, you know I would never wish that on MD But my, my point was that, that Ranger, I just felt as if Rangers were this, this moral, uh, 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 they were on this moral crusade. To, you know, this isn't right, and Neil, God, Neil Doncaster's done this and done that. See, if Rangers were top of the league, they wouldn't be giving two hoots about this. Okay, now I'm going to say this as well. One of your panelists, Gary, uh, Alec Gray, sorry, um, he tweeted a while ago. One of the Scottish rugby leagues called their season null and void. He tweeted, he retweeted it with clapping emojis. Now this is what he wanted. And you put them on the air with, with, with these um, views as well, okay? This is me just coming back saying, you know, Celtic were the best team. You can you can moan about it and and, 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 and say, that, you know, it's not fair. We could have played two more games and Rangers could have won and stuff like that. But in the heart of hearts, 
does he really think that Rangers were going to beat Celtic twice and Celtic were going to drop more points? I don't think so. And I just think it, it would have because a poor, smoke, a poor smoke screen for a really poor season. And I think Rangers Rangers fans need to get real. They sacked Warburton, they sacked Kashinia for 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 far less um, money being spent on players. Gerrard's won nothing, and now it's it's everybody else's fault as far as I'm concerned. You've been stuck in the house too long. <laughs> um, listen, f- football fans, and, and Alec Ray's a football fan like anyone else. If you asked Alec Ray, he'd say, well, I think so because he's a Rangers fan. Just as you've outlined the very legitimate reasons why, in your mind, Celtic should be crowned. If you were a Hearts fan, you'd probably come on here and have a different view as well because of the imp- self-interest is absolutely natural. It's a fundamental of human existence. We all do it. Gordon, Motherwell. You'd be delighted at Motherwell's I'm impartial as always Impartial as always Um, But that that, My point is No matter where you are You'll have a different view The point we're trying to make Is that in the grand scheme of things While rivalry is important And people should be allowed to celebrate As much as we are On lockdown uh, And Lives have changed We're still allowed A little bit of uh, Fun on the side We're still allowed to celebrate successes So if Celtic are crowned champions, of course they're entitled to celebrate and celebrate with fans. And of course Rangers fans are entitled as the second place team to be aggrieved at it. But spare a thought primarily, as I said, for Hearts, for Partick Thistle, who are only two points adrift and had a game in hand. So if anybody's going to be upset about it, it's Partick Thistle. Brora Rangers, Kelty don't have the chance to join the senior league. Stranraer, down. These are the teams that deserve the most sympathy Because as I said before It's unfair But life is unfair at the moment David is in Cumbernauld Thank you though to Barry and Barhead first What have you got on your mind tonight David? Uh, panel um, I just wanted to say I hope everyone, everyone's keeping safe uh, During this difficult time Thank you David um, I don't. I can't remember the exact numbers But I think it was 13 or 14 teams That uh, voted in favour of the Independent investigation If yeah, I remember 13. correctly 13. Um, So uh, three of the teams are probably the, the three, one of the Among the biggest clubs in Scotland Rangers, uh, Hearts and Aberdeen um, With this in mind And the other teams Do you think that the SPL SPFL can just walk away without doing anything further or do you think something needs to happen in order to restore confidence where there is change to be a shaky amount of confidence at the moment Hugh Keevans It's not for the SPFL to do anything uh, they won the vote and you quote the 13 David who uh, voted in favour of an independent investigation but uh, 27 voted not to have an independent investigation and that's why I maintain that if anything is to happen next and fundamentally I would have no objection to an independent investigation because if ever a game uh, needed to be cleansed it's ours however it's up to the requisitioners Rangers, Hearts, Aberdeen uh, Livingston from the, the Premiership it's up to them to decide what to do next I believe Aberdeen have voiced their concerns about opening a window and throwing money out of it I don't see that they have money for court action Livingston certainly don't have money for court action and Hearts with a massive overspend on their new stand and all the other financial difficulties that they have at the moment I don't see them having the money for the court of session and a lengthy legal action so it's over to Douglas Park 
if he wants to do something about it, then let him begin the process. Even at that, Darrell, I, I keep hearing that legal action, court action. But what does that really mean with with regards to where we're at at the moment? Because you can envisage relegated teams trying to get some sort of compensation, yeah, if that's the right da- phrase. It's damages if you're Hearts, if you're Partick Thistle, it's damaging. Right, but but if you're Rangers and you're upset at, at a process, what 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 exactly does the legal Next step look like then Listen Rangers Didn't say that What they said In the statement In the the kind of last line Was that The status quo Cannot hold Well Will hold until the members Decide Otherwise To go back to the initial point And I take a wee bit of exception To what Hugh said In terms of There's nothing for the SPFL to do Neil Doncaster's a shrewd cookie You don't survive over 10 years In Scottish football If you're wet behind the ears He will have looked at the numbers and thought that 13, it, you know, you can survive that, but with four clubs in the Premiership and eight out of 20 in the lower divisions, there are some breakages that need repaired there. So the challenge the SPFL office has, because the board members will change in July and it'll be of the clubs again, is a way in which they can show consensus, I think a bit of humility for the missteps that I'd outlined, and get everybody back together, because... We think that when football happens again, whether it's behind closed doors or with um hybrid model that we'll no doubt discuss later, things will be materially different. Scottish football goes into a new season with a record broadcasting deal, but without three sponsors, three title sponsors. Clubs, with their shirt sponsors and their kit suppliers, will find that people aren't willing to spend money when we get out of COVID. People will be trying to survive. And so there'll be a lot of work And the only way that they can get through that With all 42 clubs intact Is to do it together But I think rather than saying There's nothing for the SPFL to do Neil will be absolutely mindful of the need To repair Hmm. some of the damage that's been done What's your own take on it David? I just think that um, Something to try and get Everybody back together again I know there will always be People that will be unhappy About certain decisions and things like that But I think something to happen So to kind of go look I know not everybody's happy about this, but maybe we can do something to show that we do care about these other clubs as well, as the clubs that voted not to be in favour of it. I don't know exactly what that would be. I don't know. I know confidence vote or some sort of like initiative where they can get all the the members of the like club directors together and they can talk about it or something like that. I just want to see. Relationships to be mended And fences to be start getting built If you know what I mean They get together every day Premiership meeting um, Has just finished It's not that they have a difficulty In getting together and sharing a zoom screen As it is now The fundamental issue is that they don't agree on everything And you're never going to have agreement When you have 42 clubs in a Premier League In a private commercial organisation Just as you won't get consensus Among 42 people out in the street so does that mean we change that structure then? Is that is that the no, logical we can, step? We, we can't because no. we're not inside it. I mean, but that but that's the fundamental point. That's what if I mean. people want change, if people want to change the eleven-one vote, and I keep going back to that because and we had the chance when to. Rangers were ejected or removed or get relegated, however you want to phrase it, there was a groundswell of right. But now there's the chance to break the duopoly, as it was called. So how do you get forty-two clubs to do it? In Aberdeen, ironically enough, given some of the the, the recent comments from Dave Cormack. Well, the ones who said, no, no, we need to keep the, the 11-1. It's within the gift of the members, and if enough members want change, they can propose it. But 
the real politic of football is something that needs experience. You need to understand how it works. And I think there was a high degree of naivety in how Rangers went about the independent investigation or the pursuit of an independent investigation. I'm not saying they weren't right to do it. It's within a member's right to do whatever they see fit. But the real politic is if you get the numbers, you can enforce change. If you don't have the numbers, then you're worse off. David, thanks a lot for sharing your thoughts with us. That was David and Cumbernauld. Travel with Stephen, then we could be speaking to you next. Clyde was Super Scoreboard. With Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors. Tackling compensation claims for more than 40 years. Talk to Thompson's.com. Hugh Evans is in the man cave. His technology is playing up ever so slightly tonight, but he's still very much here and looking forward to hearing from you. And Daryl Broadfoot is in the studio as well. And Hugh, as fate would have it, you are joining us on the evening where we uh, mark the sad passing, the anniversary of Tommy Burns' sad passing. And I know for a fact you've got enough stories to take us through probably until midnight, but if you could keep it uh, between now and eight o'clock, that would be great. Well, the, the first thing that saddens me, Gordon, is that it's 12 years since Tommy died. Uh, that, that's a, a cause of great sadness, 12 years since Tommy passed. The, the second bit, thing that saddens me is Tommy was only 51 years old when he died. You know, that, that that's the, the cruelty of it all. You know, he shares his birthday with my own son. Now, my own son will be 49 in December. Uh, the thought of losing someone at 51 is appalling. Uh, Daryl's there, and Daryl knows that there are some stories that you never want to miss and some stories that you wish you were never part of. And uh, on the 15th of May, 12 years ago, I was doing George Bibby's breakfast programme and I got a phone call just after six o'clock in the morning to say that Tommy had died. And uh, I remember Lorraine Herberson, the head of news and sport here, she had driven through the night from Manchester where Rangers, of course, had played Zenit St. Petersburg the night before. And she and I went in to do the double story of Tommy Burns passing and, and Rangers in the aftermath of the Zenit St. Petersburg game. You, you never want to be part of something like that, especially when you knew the person so well. I'll say in conclusion, Gordon, also let's not forget that today also marks the passing of Bobby Murdoch, who was the first of the Lisbon Lions to die. 19 years have passed since, uh, since Bobby sadly left us. And again, coincidentally and sadly, I, I get a phone call... I mean, Daryl, just as we say goodbye to Hugh again briefly to pick up on, on where he left off, I feel like every year when this comes around, and it shouldn't surprise me because I've heard the stories before and we see it every year, but I feel like the way that, that Tommy Burns' memory manages to, to bridge that gap between the rivalry, it always seem, it always makes me, it always takes me aback. Even though I've seen it before, it's it's overwhelming at times. Yeah, and, and people who can unite what in football terms, is an entrenched, divided city. And when we're hearing the asterisks and should Celtic legitimately sell... When Tommy Burns and Walter Smith were in the respective dugouts, they they raised the standard of behaviour in the city because they realised that... And I think it was Walter... I think it was both of them who made the point that together they've got the capability of starting a war. And had the opposite effect Understood that diplomacy and rivalry could coexist Walter Smith, Ali McCoist were pallbearers I think from memory um, My own experiences of Tommy I was a young journalist at the time But there was always the laughter With the sense of 
I suppose he was a, he was a footballing purist. He would do anything he could to put an attractive football team out. And everybody has their stories. I've got I've got the image of Tommy Burns um, with I think it was the Shakhtar Donetsk game when Celtic qualified for the Champions League group stage, as he took off, was airborne over the huddle of players, and that was oh, the Karagandi. That, that one yeah, yeah. was it. Kar- just pure raw emotion, and uh, maybe last, I'm getting mixed up. To be fair, I think you it carry was Shakhtar on. Donetsk, but the other one was Gordon Strachan's story when I think two one. Uh, down to Rangers with 15 minutes to go He looks for inspiration And he's <laughs> I put myself in Gordon's I called Tommy over And I looked at him And put arm round So that cameras couldn't pick up And said hey, Have you got anything in your locker? And he said to the out, to the fans It looked as if Tommy was about to give us This real great tactical insight That would turn the game back in our favour And he looked at me Looked at the fans and went Nah no really <laughs> And then at that point, he said, well, the game's away, so who's this Chesney character they're, talk- they're singing about? <laughs> to which Tom went, I think they're talking about you. <laughs> so that Gordon stole that story a couple of times, and, and any time Gordon talks of Tommy, the tears well up, because they were they became best friends at Celtic, and, and anybody you speak to, I saw Ali McCoist's famous story as well of the show races and the red card event, just... The sense of fun and the fact that mentioning Tommy's name puts a smile on people's faces. Hugh, will try and bring you back in. Well, the spirit of Tommy, the the the, the man who is always up for a laugh. Uh, I'm I'm fed up with grief. When this program finishes, I'm going to pour myself a large red wine, put on Bobby Darden singing "Mac the Knife," and remember that Tommy Burns was better than Bobby Darden at singing it. Magnificent. <laughs> well, this is the first time I've dressed up in eight weeks. It's the first time I've put jeans on. And they just about right. still fit me. And there's uh, three bottles of wine in the fridge. So I might join you, Hugh. I might join you. You could video call him, but he's on the Nokia, so <laughs> it won't work. Anyway, let's speak to Brian in Rutherglen. Hi, Brian. Hi, how are you doing? Not Hi, bad. Brian. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, all things considered. Good stuff. What have you got for us then? Well, just a couple of points, I suppose. Uh, Daryl's comments at the beginning, just about how Scottish football's, you know, should be embarrassed and things like that. I just think it's important to probably say who should be embarrassed and who shouldn't. You know, I don't think everybody should be tarred with the same brush with recent events. And I think there's a few that have had more of a, a kind of responsibility in fanning the flames in this whole scenario. So I think it's not a point of finger of blame, but if we're going to draw a line under things, I think we just need to take a real look and say who did what and then move on. So I just, originally I just don't think the whole of the Scottish football game should be embarrassed at all. No, I, th- I think the whole of the game has collective responsibility to keep clubs alive, to look after. And this is the point that people are forgetting at the moment. When we get out of this and we get back to playing football, we're going to be looking for three new sponsors. And with the best will in the world, companies aren't spending at the moment, but big brands will want to invest in things that align with their own brand. And so the reason I say it's been an embarrassment is because when we get out of it, the same clubs who have at various stages issued statement after statement after to the point where become meaningless. I'm fed up reading statements I'm fed up hearing about the greater good of Scottish football because hyperbola it has you know ever diminishing returns. But when we get out of it, we'll be counting the cost of the self-inflicted wounds to the brand that will turn off sponsors. So the sooner we can get back to actually promoting what makes Scottish football great and the very things that Scottish football can do to a nation like no other sport, then the better. So I'm sorry to disagree. There have been 
embarrassing epi- episodes, regardless of who started. Yeah, it, I think Brian's. I think maybe it. Brian's talking about clubs, though. You're not necessarily saying that all forty-two no, an, clubs no, should an, be. It's an embarrassing should episode. Should be embarrassed for the reasons I've outlined, because well, at a time in Scottish football, where, you know, where, where, where you kind of, you've got a prominent voice, you've got a platform there. I think you've got a responsibility as well to actually, you know, then go with what the majority have said recently, and there is a bit of unity there. It's not that we're completely unanimous, but there's unity there. So but I think. But you're conflating with respect. You're conflating two things. The vote. The vote is a democratic process. I've got no issue with the vote. The sure. point I'm making is when Scottish football needs to unify more than ever before, when people in their houses need something to be inspired by, we have had. An embarrassing situation If anybody doesn't think That that has a Long term impact On the very thing That those clubs crave Beyond anything else Money Commercial input Then I'm sorry We're living in cloud cuckoo land Is that what Motherwell were referring to In their statement When they said And I'm definitely Paraphrasing Because I don't have it, it In front be, of me Because Alan Burrows gets it were, Alan Burrows gets the need To move on They were talking about External funding Is going to be needed And maybe that means Government intervention We might have to go Cap in hand to someone Or whether it's a bigger picture Of sponsorship As you say down the line Is that now but What the, the priority But there's another issue itself that, You know that Can you go to government You look at What is it The job retention schemes Costing the Treasury £14 billion a month And while there might be A legitimate argument To say that Can government help Or can banks provide a loan Because let's not forget Scottish football Doesn't have a credit line With banks anymore So how we get over that hurdle um, I think what he means is When we are going out Looking for sponsorship The first thing Any proper brand any, Anybody who wants to Invest money in any product Will say well Do our brands align And the damage That the infighting has done I think is in danger of putting people off investing in Scottish football at a time when we get out of this, when football be the, should be and can be the one unifying uh, event that we can all take pride in and, and look forward to getting back. Brian, thank you very much for the call. Hopefully, we will speak to you soon, but it's time for this. Beat the pundit with the Scottish Sun. For the best football news and opinion online, the Scottish slash football. And there we go We were both getting mixed up Robbie and Burnsy Spartak Moscow That's the game we were oh, looking for There we Moscow. go That's that's what they're there for To keep us on our toes uh, 0141 951 1025 If you want to play Beat the Pundit Get on here Get more questions right than Daryl Walk away with a signed ball It's that simple Your call needs to be in before 7 though Clyde One Super Scoreboard With Thompson's personal injury solicitors Experienced players who know how to win Talk to Thompson's.com Hugh Keevans is in the man cave Daryl Broadfoot is in the studio And they're both waiting on your calls Usual number Or on Twitter at Clyde SSB I want to know if you've picked a German team Because we're all choking for any sort of football To get back on the screens To give us something to watch The Bundesliga The German League's return this weekend Have you picked a team? If so, tell us why I think we're looking for a team uh, to follow We're going to get maybe get Hugh to make some of his terrible predictions uh, Ahead of the fixture card We're going to be joined by our German football expert And a very familiar voice So I will reveal who that is after we play this Beat the Pundit with the Scottish Sun For the best football news and opinion online Thescottishsun.co.uk slash football Hugh Evans has been working on a three week delay If you've been listening to the first hour of the show So there is no chance he's playing Beat the Pundit It's going to have to be Daryl Broadfoot tonight And he's taking on John Who's a Motherwell fan of great taste from Bayliston Hi John Hello, how are you doing? Not too bad at all, how Given are you? recent quizzes, can we get some 80s music questions in here as well? Uh, I'm looking through, there are, there are no 80s music <sighs> questions Is that your, is that your speciality? John? Yeah Would you say so? Pretty yeah. much anything yeah. from 1981 to 89 and then it goes... Well, it's all 
football So you're, you're, you're stuck uh, John Are you looking forward to Daryl Broadfoot You don't have any problems I know you maybe would have Liked to give Hugh Keevens a, a going over on Beat the Pundit But he's ineligible tonight That alright? Yeah that's fine I'm pretty confident Oh I like it Fine talk Right I'm going to give Daryl Some Clyde 2 to listen to Just so that he doesn't know What you're saying And John Put 30 seconds on the clock I think you'll have heard it before But if you haven't The only thing you need to know Is that you can pass You ready? Yep Right good man 30 seconds on the clock Time starts now Who did Celtic sign From Dundee United In 2006? Pass Who did Motherwell face In their last league game? Oh Hearts What nationality Is Rangers midfielder Glenn Kamara? English Which German side Play their games At Borussia Park? Borussia Dortmund Which club used to play Their home games At Boghead? Pass Where did James McFadden Finish his playing career? Probably Who did Craig Gordon Leave Hearts for? Pass Okay, let's bring Daryl back. Daryl, can you hear us? Yep, I was just going to get a bit of Sugar Hill Gang there, I think, from. Is that up your street or is oh, that, yeah? Absolutely. Right, okay, well, you're going to have to deal with the questions instead. Same set to you, 30 seconds, and your time starts now. Who did Celtic sign from Dundee United in 2006? Oh, Lucas Aluska. Who did Motherwell face in their last league game? St Johnson. What nationality is Rangers midfielder Glenn Kamara? Icelandic. Which German side play their games Finish. at Borussia Park? Uh, Dortmund. Which club used to play their games at Boghead? Oh! Quick! Oh, bro! Where did James McFadden finish his playing career? St. Johnson. Oh, wow. my goodness me. That was not a classic, gentlemen. Oh, dear. John, me. do you think you've done enough? I think I might. Let's find out. Who did Celtic oh. sign from Dundee United in 2006? Producer Dan, that, that's tough. It was, it was our own Mark Wilson, Mark Wilson. so it was a wee uh, a tricky one, but nevertheless. Um, John is a Motherwell fan. Who did Motherwell face in their last league game? It was Hearts. Mm. John got it, goes 1 0 up. Who is the, what nationality is Glenn Kamara? He's Finnish, you knew it, but you said Icelandic. <sighs> uh, which German side play their games at Borussia uh, Park? Well. Yellow card to oh. you both for diving in. Diving in. It's Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, which club used to play their home games at Boghead? Hugh Evans. Nah, he's miles away. Dumbarton. Dumbarton. Uh, where did James McFadden finish his playing career? It was Queen of the South. You remember that? I remember those days. Yeah. Was he assistant manager there as well? No, that was at Motherwell. Um, but yeah, he finished his playing career at Queen of the South. Yes. And oh, John got right. one question extra. Who did Craig Gordon leave Hearts for? It was Sunderland. Daryl Broadfoot, you join <laughs> an illustrious <laughs> group of pundits to get zero. On beat the pundit John it was a 1-0 win It was ugly But they all count That's horrendous Horrendous Not how you win It's all about the win innit <laughs> That's Aye. it John That's it That's the Congratulations It's a pyrrhic victory It's a results driven <laughs> business And the signed ball Is on its way to Motherwell I'll get Gordon Dale To pick it up He'll drop it off next week That sound okay Excellent thank you Good man this Socially distance He'll boost it through the window feel like When they go back on a pitch And try and touch a ball again Gone First touch First Honestly. touch, terrible I, And then from there There is a list And it's not very long It oh, includes um, Don't make it worse I think Don't make it worse Craig Beattie done it Andy Little maybe Thanks um, Willie McStay We're going back a bit now The, the list is not long Of oh. pundits who have been Dreadful. Granted Dreadful. Or Dreadful. In the zero and In about five minutes time Hugh will hear it And then start laughing 
Yeah, and you know the good thing is like a lot of the pundits aren't on Twitter, so it doesn't matter. No, no, no one can take we'll, we'll the mickey. Be, we'll you, however, ah. So if you want to get in touch with Daryl over the weekend and uh, let him know what you make of his performance, then feel free. Just just get in touch. He's all about the interaction, aren't you? Call the season. <laughs> <laughs> there is no asterisk next to that, Null John. You quiz. have won fair and square. Now, like I said just before, beat the pundit. German football is back this weekend. Let's be honest, we would watch anything at the moment because we've all been starved of our football fix. Um, but the Bundesliga is coming back and I'm delighted to say we're joined on the line by a broadcaster you will all know very well and a man who knows a thing or two about German football, Derek Ray. Derek, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Good evening, Gordon. I'm very well. How are you? Yes, not too bad at all. Uh, like everyone, Derek, I think we're all going to watch with interest just to, to see the return of the Bundesliga, get a football fix and see how things Play out over there as, as the first major European league To start up again um, Just kick us off Generally then This weekend Derek What sort of fixtures Should we be looking out for What are the standouts Well the standout Is the big derby The mother of all derbies As they say in Germany Borussia Dortmund Against Schalke And that happens to be In one of the early slots I've been lucky enough To cover this game From Dortmund Each of the last three years Working for the Bundesliga World Feed And there is nothing like it Germany you've got to remember is a country unlike Scotland or England with a history of big derbies. And that really is because most of the major cities are um, cities that have one major club and maybe a couple of smaller ones. Uh, Dortmund and Schalke are not from the same city, but they are from the same region. And it's the region of heavy industry, the Ruhrgebiet, as they call it. It's all about a past rooted in coal and steel. And Dortmund and Schalke really don't like each other very much. Now, the irony is there will be more eyeballs around the world on this great fixture this weekend at a time when there will be no fans inside the stadium. And what really makes this fixture tick is the atmosphere around it. We're talking about normally more than 80,000 inside for Dortmund against Schalke. Wow, and actually we put a poll up, Darrell Broadfoot, because we're looking for a German team to follow on, on behalf of, of Super Scoreboard. Uh, Borussia Dortmund, is, as Derek mentioned, seem to be way out in front on that Twitter poll. Schalke are languishing. They're miles behind. Hugh Evans, do you have do you have a German team? Who would you go for, Hugh Evans, this weekend? Uh, well, without doubt, I would go for uh, Borussia Dortmund uh, in uh, tribute to my old pal Murdo McLeod because uh, he spent three years at Dortmund and uh, I was once in Germany with Murdo in Dortmund and to be in that city with Murdo McLeod, one uh, and only Scottish player to get a mention in Jurgen Klopp's biography, uh, to be in Dortmund with Murdo McLeod is something special. Uh, so for me, it would be Dortmund in what Daryl didn't know was called the West Balance <laughs> Stadion. I thought you might say that. Uh, Derek, where is the, the balance in amongst German football commentators or fans between the excitement at the return of football versus safety concerns? What does that look like at the moment? It's an interesting question. Uh, at the moment, you would have to say most people who are in the football industry are pleased to have football back, but you don't want to go too far in that direction. It's sort of cautious optimism at the moment. If you listen to Christian Seifert, the CEO of the DFL, uh, he will tell you that the league has hopefully earned the right to go match day by match day. So you get through this match day and hopefully you earn the right to then have another match day. Um, 
it's probably fair to point out, too, just by way of, of balance, that if you look at opinion polls amongst Germans as a whole, the country is split. Uh, and there is actually a majority for those who believe that this is too soon in terms of football coming back. Amongst football fans, it might be quite different. So I think we have to acknowledge that, that we're all football fans. We're happy to have football to watch. As a Bundesliga commentator, I'm especially happy to have the Bundesliga to watch. But not everybody will see it that way. Derek, I don't want people to get the wrong impression listening, but I slid into your DMs a couple of weeks ago on the subject of behind closed doors from a commentator's perspective. So as much as we're all looking forward to seeing some football of any kind without fans as it transpires, how difficult is that going to be, given that your lifeblood is feeding off the emotion, feeding off the the passion of the crowd, um, to put yourself in some of your colleagues' shoes? How difficult is that going to be for commentators this weekend to get as excited as you would with a capacity crowd? I'll be honest, Gordon, I dread commentating uh, on matches behind closed doors. I've done it a few times in European competition. And it's only when you do games like that, and and Hugh will know this, having worked on radio at games, and Daryl, of course, in his capacity, working at matches as a journalist and uh, also on the operational side, um, you don't realise the extent to which you actually are dependent on the crowd, you know, to work off the oohs and ahs. Um, you know, you pause at a certain time knowing that the crowd is going to react at a certain time. And all that goes out the window. So it actually becomes very difficult. You've almost got to change your technique a little bit because, of course, you can hear the shouts of the players for a change. That can be quite disconcerting. Uh, and you just don't have that natural soundtrack that we've all grown accustomed to and is, of course, such an integral part of of football, uh, the fans, but it's going to be a while before they are back inside the stadium and everybody had best get on with it. Give us an insight, Derek, if you can, into some of the main safety measures that are in place. Now, the, the obvious standout one, like we've just mentioned, there are no fans there, but what, what about some of the more detailed things with regards to perhaps players or coaching staff? What sort of safety measures are in place? Well, this week, I should tell you that all the teams have agreed to go into a seven-day quarantine Camp. Now, we've had a couple of mishaps, one in particular with the Augsburg coach, Heiko Herli, who decided for reasons best known to himself to go to a local supermarket to buy toothpaste and hand cream. And as a result of that violation, he will not be on the bench for Augsburg against Wolfsburg tomorrow. So um, I suppose you could say that is the system working because it is meant to pick up things like that. And obviously, the, the testing is going on more or less twice a week. And if somebody comes up with a negative test for COVID-19, then they can't play. It's a little confusing because it's at the discretion of each local municipality whether the whole squad must go into quarantine. That has already happened with the second division team, Dynamo Dresden. So their first two games have had to be postponed as a result of that. In terms of um, on-match day itself, things have actually changed just this morning, it was to be that coaches were to wear masks. That was the working understanding. That has now been removed from the regulations. So the coach himself doesn't have to wear a mask, but he does have to observe normal distancing rules. However, for everyone else on the bench, his assistants, the physio, all the substitutes, they are supposed to wear masks while they're sitting on the bench. So um, that will come into play. Um, It was agreed that there will be five substitutes, at least the the chance to use five substitutes, although only three opportunities to make substitutions as usual, but you can use 
five altogether. And I was having a look at the master plan inside the venue that really is very complicated. It's hour by hour. Only a certain number of people can be in certain locations. It's a grand total of just over 300 people in terms of just inside and outside the stadium. That includes includes security personnel. So it's quite an operation to pull off. And um, the DFL has been very detailed with its hygiene and medical plan. And I'm sure that other bodies around the world, other sports, other leagues are looking at this uh, and wondering how it's going to fly. Derek, we've actually we've actually looked at the DFL operational plan and as you would expect, it's detailed, but very, very simple. And I don't know if you've heard um, the early part of the show where, you know, debate on should it be behind closed doors and should we call it? It's when football comes back in Scotland, however it comes back, there is going to have to be an acknowledgement that things will have to drastically change. Can you give people an insight into what to expect when we get back and on the assumption that if not behind closed doors, then limited number of fans and things that we took for granted not being available anymore and, and a new norm in football as, as in life? Yeah, I think it's going to affect everybody inside a football stadium, from journalists to security personnel to ball boys to the players themselves. And, you know, who's to say how long this is going to be? I talked to a few people, you know, in the scientific world in Germany, and they are fairly convinced that we are not going to have fans back inside a German stadium this year, and it may well extend into next year, and we'll see beyond that. So, you know, I think we all have to be ready for this to be the new normal. It's not what anybody would want. Um, And, of course, it also extends to how we live our lives as football fans away from the stadium because this is the other factor with regard to the weekend, Gordon. Um, Fans are being told in no uncertain terms by the authorities, by the police, by the clubs, you must not gather. You must not do what you would think comes naturally and meet with your pals, you know, anywhere to watch these games. Um, It has to be done uh, in your own household, just the way everybody else has been living these last few weeks. And, you know, it is a big change. And um, it's one that the Bundesliga, I think, is is going to, if you like, you know, ride in, in terms of having to, um, to to get on the horse with regard to this, this new uh, normal. And everybody else will watch with interest. In terms of, the, I mean, the Bundesliga, many of our listeners might be saying, well, I'm, I'm a long-time fan anyway, and I'm, I'm well across what's happening. But as you referenced earlier on, Derek, this might be a chance for the league to attract new fans. I can already think of loads of people who'll probably tune in this weekend simply because they're looking for a football fix. Just from a personal point of view, as someone who knows the league inside out, then what sort of players should we be looking out for? Do you have a couple of favourites that stand out, outstanding talents that you think will catch the eye over the next couple of weeks? Well, of course, everybody knows Robert Lewandowski and his goal-scoring exploits, but he has a rival this season in Timo Werner of Leipzig, who is lightning fast and really has improved in terms of his tactical discipline the last couple of years, and they've been matching each other just about goal for goal. So that's going to be fascinating to watch to see how uh, that particular uh, tussle ends up at the end of the season. Who will be the, the goal-scoring king of German football? If you look at Borussia Dortmund, I mean, their talent is just endless in the attacking positions. And even without Marco Reus, they're still formidable. You've got an Englishman in Jadon Sancho, who has uh, pretty much torn up the league since he arrived. You've got Erling Haaland, the superstar from Norway, who has nine goals already in a very short space of time. And you also have 
the brother of Aidan Hazard, you have Torgan Hazard, who plays for Dortmund as well. So they really have so many possibilities up front and in the creative positions. It's just about whether they can defend and whether they can you know, have the right balance in order to succeed. Uh, Marcus Turam of Borussia Mönchengladbach, the son of Lillian Turam, uh, he has found the Bundesliga very much to his liking since joining. So there's another one to watch. They play Frankfurt in what I think will be one of the most attractive games on Saturday night. And of course, just to finish off, Derek, you're looking at the top of the table, Bayern with a four-point advantage over Borussia Dortmund at the moment. That's, of course, what's what's driving much of the debate here. And and in other leagues, people are looking at points gaps. Should we call leagues? Can the team in second catch the team in first and all the rest of it? But very much game on in that division. It is. It's one of the most compelling title races for quite some time. And, you know, Bayern are now on top. And if you have just switched on now, you sort of think, OK, same old, same old. But it's actually been a season of the league changing hands time and again. You know, we saw earlier this uh, campaign, Gladbach, Wolfsburg up there, Leverkusen, uh, and then Dortmund for a spell, Leipzig for a spell, and now uh, Bayern. And I, I think that it's going to be difficult for the others to catch them. Uh, I do believe that, in all honesty. But you've got to remember that Dortmund played Bayern very soon. In fact, just a week and a half or so from now. So that is obviously going to have a big bearing on the title. And uh, it is up for grabs. You know, I, I think it's, it's definitely a title race worth watching. And the fact of the matter is that the other teams who are in that top five or even six, they may not win the title from position five or six, but they certainly can have a big say in who does. I'm thinking of... Borussia Mönchengladbach and Bayer Leverkusen. So there's a lot to like about the Bundesliga. And I should just mention, they're not going to win the title. I should mention Köln, who are the team who I have a soft spot for, mainly because I spend most of my time in Germany in the great city of Cologne. And as a Scot, you really should look out for them. And I'll tell you why. Because their anthem, which has always voted the number one football anthem in Germany, and if anybody has been to Köln, you'll know this, their anthem is the tune from Loch Lomond, made famous by Runrig all those years ago, and they put their own words in the local dialect over that tune, and I can tell you it is loved by every football fan in Germany, irrespective of whether they support Köln or not. So I've heard Scottish accents in Köln before, and, and I've heard the surprise in their voices uh, when they realise that the tune from Loch Lomond is in fact the most popular anthem in German football. So there you go That is exactly what I was hoping for From this call I was looking for a club To adopt In the Bundesliga Between now and the end of the season And the one and only Derek Ray Has absolutely sold me We'll let you rest up Ahead of a busy weekend Derek That was a terrific insight Giving us terrific everything We need to know well. oh, Of course oh, We could only dream of that Sort of level uh, Derek thanks for joining us Hopefully we'll speak to you soon Thanks Gordon Thanks guys All the best Cheers, Good man That was broadcaster Commentator Derek Ray Who's very much Looking forward to the Bundesliga Returning this weekend Are you Do you have a team Is there a story Is there a reason Is there a player That you particularly like What about Memorable German players To play in our league The floor is yours 01419511025 The Full Time Teaser With ScottishSun.co.uk Get all the latest Football news And opinion Clyde One Super Scoreboard With Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors Helping you return to action Talk to Thompson's.com Hugh Evans is in the man cave Daryl Broadfoot is in the studio It was great to hear from Derek Ray Hugh Giving us the real pronunciation of some of the German teams and names And giving us a bit of a flavour of what to expect this weekend 
He's a terrific lad, Derek, but I'm sorry. I'm going to have to rain on your parade. I talk about <laughs> the integrity on, of the game, and so do you, and so does Daryl. This is not conventional football. This is putting money ahead of life. All this stuff about raising the spirit of the nation, it's guff. It's putting money before life. Players are already testing negative, uh, or positive rather, for coronavirus in Germany before they've even started. So I wish Derek well. I wish all of the teams well. But for me, and he said that half of the German public disagreed with the decision to start again this weekend. For me, Mm. this is toying with life. Okay, well, we'll maybe elaborate on that in the not-too-distant future. We'll look at some of the other considerations. I'm looking for you to get in touch as well. Do you have a German team? If so, why? I hope there's some good stories out there that we can delve into. Uh, what about standout German players that have come over here and played for your club? Uh, let us know. But before we do that, Daryl, you have the chance to redeem yourself on the quizzing front. Can I do any worse? Can I? <laughs> Absolutely. You've set the bar low. Uh, and <laughs> the good news is you've only got five answers to get on tonight's full-time teaser. So you and Hugh Keevans can team up Excluding current players Can you name Five Celtic players That have scored In an old firm game But have never been capped By their country And it's since 99-2000 So it does not include The current crop Can you name Five Celtic players That have scored In an old firm game But have not been capped By their country Since 99-2000 Hugh Any that spring to mind Oh dear me Uh not not immediately, I have to say. I need, um, need to confirm. I need to think about that yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. The only th- I'll give you just slightest hint. Mm-hmm. It's worth thinking about nations that have good teams because other these players might well have been very good players, but just didn't quite do enough to get a cap. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Tom. No, did you be just desperate to throw him in because we've been talking about German football? Now here's, uh, well, here's, he did here's score the thing at, uh, at Ibrox, I remember. But Chris Sutton's solitary cap was that was that a B cap? It's not. Chris, Chris Sutton's not one. But what if I told you you weren't a million miles off on that logic? Andy, oh sorry, um, Alan, Alan Thompson. No, no, keep going. He's got an England cap. Oh, not a million. Steve miles. Guppy. Keep going. More recently. Going back the way now. Gary Hooper Yes there we go Gary Hooper Well done And as easy as that You're 20% of the way there You've only got four to get Uh, Funnily enough that you mentioned it Hugh You're a bit off on your time frame But Paul Wilkie Tweeted in to say The best Germans at Celtic Park Andy Hinkle And Andy Tom Both brilliant Well I've got an Andy Tom story for you You're talking about players Who came to this country uh, Who's your favourite German Uh, And it it merges with Tommy Burns And the the 12th anniversary of Tommy's death Because Tommy was the one who signed Andreas Tom And David Ginola had been to Celtic And he had turned down the chance to sign for Celtic The fans wanted some foreign glamour So Andy Tom was brought over here And it was Fergus McCann he had to negotiate with Now Fergus could negotiate and then some so it was all looking as if it was going to be off. And then Tommy Burns took Fergus over to a window overlooking the car park at Celtic Park. And they were erecting crush barriers there to keep the fans behind them so that Andy Tom could come out, Celtic scarf above his head, and there would be great tumult. So Fergus was taken over to the window by Tommy, and Tommy said to him, Do you want to tell them he's not signing for you? <laughs> Was there not a building that's Was he not actually in a car outside Celtic Park? At that, is that conversation's taking place? 
as his agent's going, just hang fire a minute, hang fire, and we'll get ready to get. So it's a good negotiating yeah, tactic. Ab- that absolutely. <laughs> Best of luck. Yeah, absolutely. Right. You've got Gary Hooper in the teaser. Four more to get, but we can get them later. That was sent in tonight by Mikey Burns. So thank you to Mikey. For sending the question in We're looking for you Just your stories really Your insight Do you have a German team Have you adopted one This weekend Just to give you Your football fix Any stories That we should be hearing about And what about Germans That came over here And played for your team You can tell us Paul is on the line And he's calling in From Bavaria So the, of all places you, You've gone worldwide tonight Hi Paul Yeah I'm calling in From Gerritsried Which is about 30 kilometres South of Munich Right and our team's FC Augsburg. Augsburg's about 40 kilometres west of Munich. And I've got a 12-year-old kid, and we used to go and watch Bayern Munich once or twice a year. And Bayern Munich, it's like watching Liverpool or whatever. It's really expensive to get into. So we went over one day in the off chance just to watch Augsburg. And it's a 30,000-seater uh, stadium. You park just before the stadium. You can have a meal beforehand. I have a shandy. Uh, take, take it in at the ground uh, All the locals there are so friendly It's, 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 it's uh, What they would say is a local friend. It's a local club So most of the supporters come from around that area And they make you so welcome there And at the moment they're in the, the uh, First Bundesliga They're punching well above their weight And uh, they had a good run Just before Christmas time and I was hoping to get to see the last game before COVID-19 came. Uh, but now we're really looking forward to this at the weekend. And the players that you need to look out for are Florian Niederlechner. He's number seven and he's their top scorer this year. He came from Freiburg and he was really hot before Christmas time. You've got Finn Bogusen, who's the, the Finn that Celtic nearly signed a few years ago. He's passed his best. And one guy that you were talking about a minute ago, uh, Lichtsteiner, he's, he's also passed his best. He used to play for Arsenal, and I remember him uh, playing for Juve and holding Gary Hooper. Yes, I remember it well. <laughs> so, yeah, Augsburg are a really friendly team. They're not going to win every game, but they might just hold on to the Bundesliga, which will be success for them this, this season. Yeah, let me ask you, Paul, because you, you've... Led us on beautifully to, to my next question Anyway you mentioned Going to the ground And it's all set up For car parking And you can go and get Your drink and your meal And you can take your drink in German football Arguably Above all others in Europe Is centred around Fan interaction It, it relies on its fans And the fans r- rely on them And it's, it's a, a great combination Part of that's getting Well all of that Is getting taken away From here on in With games behind closed doors How, how damaging do you think It will be to the overall product yeah, I think it will be because we, we go to the family section. I pay, well, it depends on the team that comes, but I pay about 30 euros and I, I pay nine euros for my kid to get in. And you're sitting there with all the other kids, they've all got their flags and then they've got an orchestrated, it's like the Green Brigade behind the goal. And uh, yeah, it's a brilliant atmosphere there at the weekend. I mean, all that's going to be gone at least until, well, I don't know, September, October, November now. Um, so yeah, it will have an impact on us And I would imagine that when it comes back It's going to come back very, very gradually Fans are going to come into the stadium In, in smaller numbers, obviously Than the last time I was there Yeah, I mean, Hugh Evans, You said just before the break, I think it was That, that you're not convinced and, and you feel like it's rushed And it's putting money before people's lives Having said that, we are not 
privy every day to the, the details of of what's going on in Germany. Their testing procedures, I would imagine, are, are way ahead of ours. They, they clearly feel like it, it can be done safely. Yeah, I mean, listen, I wish them 100% success. Uh, I only put forward a personal opinion that I think that the, the, the German uh, authorities, like the FA in England, are in an undue haste to get the game back. I think they're pandering to broadcasters. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure that uh, Paul on the line would take his son to the game this weekend if it were possible. And if it's not safe for fans to go and there can be no social distancing, why is it safe for players? Well, it's well because they're going to be tested ultimately, Darren. They're going to have to control that environment. But that, unfortunately, Hughes... Hugh does hit on an important point. You know, if it's not safe enough for fans, how can it be safe for players? But everyone's going to have to face up to the reality of games behind closed doors, or at least a, a hybrid model, as we heard. You know, coming out of the discussions from the, the joint response group here in Scotland yesterday. I, I think I think it's a good point that if everyone is being told to stay at home, this the, the sight of footballers entering the field, there are practical things. The first goal that's scored in the Bundesliga tomorrow, what happens? Are you telling players that they can't go and celebrate and hug? Millions of people watching players celebrating and hugging then go, oh, that's that must be allowed. I've watched it on TV. So that that is the risk. And I, and I take Hugh's point absolutely that it sends out mixed messages. And I look to England as well with, the, you know, put a smile back in the nation's face at a time when players are being told that they can't play because they suffer from asthma or they have underlying issues. Um, that That's why I think in Scotland, as much as it's a... Painful reality We've been consistent All along Football will not come back Anytime soon And yeah. won't be back on Until it's safe to do so I mean uh, Derek Ray Raised a couple of the issues I noticed a tweet From Werder Bremen earlier And it says um, And it's in English By the way I've not translated this It says Due to the positive test Of somebody In his personal circle One Werder player Has been placed Under a two week quarantine The player in question Tested negative For coronavirus But someone in his Circle has So therefore He has to sit out For two weeks Now I know that this is is Getting ahead of ourselves It's It's it's, it's quite Yeah exactly If if you're a team In relegation trouble And and you have somebody Who's had to self-isolate Your two star players Have to sit out That that seems to me Hugh Where football and health are, are just colliding there I mean imagine Can you imagine We restart it Celtic and Rangers Rangers managed to defy the odds And, and claw back the points differential They've got a league decider And Odson Eduard Or Alfredo Morelos Has to sit it out Because they've come in contact with someone Yeah uh, As I say I'm not trying deliberately To rain on anybody's parade uh, may they be very successful however I do feel there's undue haste I do feel there's a danger of putting money before life and I hope to goodness that they do not have a tragedy on their hands that causes everyone to reflect and reflect when it's too late Paul thanks a lot for getting in touch great insight that I loved some of the stories of uh, the games that are going on sadly no fans this weekend of course but that was Paul out there in Bavaria Um my group chat, if you like, the, the boys have drawn names out of hat. Everyone's been given a team. I've been given Hoffenheim. And uh, on closer inspection, I'm just a mid-table mediocrity. I don't really know what's left to play for. Producer Dan is quite into his German football. He tells me they're not very well liked either 
Well, there, there might be something in that That's, that's quite an appropriate <laughs> one, is it um, I've so, gone the other way I've got, Given all the conversations about the unfairness of relegation Whether it's Scotland And I get it That's why I'm rooting for SC uh, Paderborn Bottom of the division Two points uh, behind But this team have got a chance of actually getting themselves out So for that reason and that reason alone I'm giving it Full support to them I mean they're the minnows of the league Yep But they're only two points It's not as if they're and, adrift And it's Werder Bremen They're behind Who are without one of their players Because he's isolating Wonderful You're sorted uh, Andy in Edinburgh Have you got a team? Would you You got a, a team that goes back Some distance Or are you, you picking it this weekend Andy? Uh, no it's um, I'm going for Leipzig I was there a few years ago When Rangers uh, went over the mind We shut down for the January break And we, yes, we went over there I think we got beat 4 nothing. Um, so no, I'm going to go with Leipzig I went over there and I sort of uh, Took a wee soft spot for them uh, When I was there um, We drove to Glasgow all the way It oh. must have took us 35 plus hours man. It was brilliant um, But I, uh, So I am going for Leipzig There's every chance you indulged In the German beer Andy and can't remember But did Oliver Burke not score for Leipzig In that game? Correct, uh, you're right uh, Burke played that day um, But the, the, the funny thing about that trip was uh, Every time Leipzig scored a goal the, the 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 song that they play when they, they score a goal, all the Rangers fans were singing it, and the the, the fans were like, "What are they doing?" <laughs> and they couldn't believe what we were doing. <laughs> Having said that, then Andy, and I know it wasn't a competitive game, but you've seen the, the fans up close, and you've seen how integral they are to the the game over there. Is it going to be unrecognisable behind closed doors this weekend? It'll be strange, like, but you know what? I'm not bothered. I'm just happy it's back. Something kind of got a bit of live sport. Um, but the golf on Sunday as well So I'm absolutely buzzing for this weekend like. <laughs> and, and listen that's the thing we're, we're allowed to have a bit of a laugh with it Hughes outlined the serious side of it Completely get that And we wouldn't you know, we wouldn't make light of that situation But there is a, there are a number of people across Europe Who are desperate to see some football And will be tuning into a league that they otherwise wouldn't Just as we've watched the K-League in Korea And watched Georgian football for the first in on the basis of some of the games the last time ever Speak for yourself, I've not stooped to you People just need their football fix And it's it's okay, you know, people are talking about celebrating titles We're allowed to celebrate, we're allowed to get some enjoyment In fact, it actually makes sitting at home every day, all day, more bearable So, unlike Hugh, and I absolutely agree with the reasons and the sentiments he's got I'm just looking forward to losing myself in 90 minutes of football And selfishly, to see what that experience is like because I don't think you can use fake, fake crowd noise. Oh. I think, and, and Derek Ray, when I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago, made the point that you have to use stats a bit more. You have to find some other way of illustrating for for the fans. So I'll be fascinated to see how they put on the match day experience without the fundamental, mm. the fans. Okay, Hugh Kevens, how are you getting on in the man cave? The thing is, Hugh, anyone else at home, I wouldn't trust them because they would go and Google the answers, but you wouldn't know how to do that even if you wanted to. So on tonight's teaser... We're looking for five Celtic players that have scored in an old firm game but have not been capped by their country and it's since 99-2000 that doesn't include the current squad. What have you got, Hugh? Uh, is Paul Byrne too early? Yes. Yeah. Uh. So I was thinking in 99-2000, I was thinking, is there an Enrico Anoni or, or somebody of that ilk who... Probably too early for Enrico yeah, Anoni as well but, but again the, the key to this is Footballing Big, su- big nations with like, players yeah. Who were not deemed good enough So Yarisic played countless times um, so, so he wouldn't I mean there are a couple That are really Pretty recently 
but not current. Uh-huh. There's another one in the in the Gary Hooper mould in terms of international representation. Chris Killen played for New Zealand countless times. More recently. Scottish? No, because again, if if you're a Scot and you scored in an old firm game, you get you've been game. capped. Yeah. Any more, Hugh? Uh, did Stefan Johansson do it? Uh, no, he's got loads of Norway caps anyway. I'll tell you what, you two need some thinking time. So I will give you and we'll get the answers next. The Full Time Teaser with scottishsun.co.uk. Get all the latest football news and opinion. Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors. Your comeback is on. Talk to Thompson's.com. Into the final parts of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Hugh Evans is in the man cave. Daryl Broadfoot's here in the studio. And they're putting their minds together on this teaser. Mikey Burns says, excluding current players, since 99-2000, can you name five Celtic players that have scored in an old firm game but have not been capped by their country? Uh, Gary Waugh is throwing a few in there. Uh, but he's got Olivia and Cham. Remember, Gary doesn't include current players. Chris Sutton's been capped for England, so is Alan Thompson. Uh, Hugh and Daryl have got Gary Hooper. In fact, that's all you've got. Did you get anything during the break, Hugh? Here you are uh, Scott Sinclair Yes well oh. done Scott Sinclair uh, Darryl, And I've got you... another oh. one Another one I was Okay maybe the same one Here you go Stubbsy No No Oh He was cap Musa Dembele Yes Musa Dembele Daryl Broadfoot Hugh Had an, I mean the mayor of all mayors On Beat the pundit As I'm sure you heard But he's, he's thanks, thanks for bringing that up He's again, Gordon. Slowly but surely Redeeming Edging myself. his way Towards redemption Wait till he produces This name for well, you wait, wait, well, I, I did try and find The eras And then Recalled all the players That had ever played Under Gordon Strutt And, and remember that Lee Naylor scored a Scuffer In an old firm game So Lee Naylor I think is one of the players Brilliant. as well. Well done, Lee Naylor. I mean that it just doesn't it just doesn't fit a man who got zero and beat the pun that shouldn't be capable shouldn't be. of that. No. But that's the way it works. Well, Hugh, you've got it. one more to one get. More? I know he used to work for the Glasgow Herald, but for somebody not to understand who played at Bogheed, that's Hugh, shameful. It's shameful and my only my only out is the fact that I was genuinely preoccupied with Clyde too. I was ready just about to kick on. Missed the music and, and started badly and withered. Do you know what I was actually I was actually thinking driving in here? Thirteen years ago, about right now, I, I, I'm not going to lie and pretend. Literally right now. <laughs> I'm not going to lie and pretend it's the exact anniversary. But about thirteen years ago, 2007, uh-huh. on a Friday night, I came in here to Clyde One for work experience. Seriously, ten. <laughs> yeah, very good. <laughs> and you two drove me home. Well, he didn't wow. drive, obviously, because he can't. So it must have been me. Now, the what? reason being, you were both going to Mother- Motherwell Civic Centre for boxing. Boxing, wow! And you two drove me home, and I was uh, about to embark on my first ever boys' holiday as well that summer. And you gave me some uh, interesting uh, <laughs> tips, words of advice. Anything you can share on so, live no, radio? No, so really. Uh, you two are to blame 13 wow. years ago Round about now I came in here Work experience You two drove me home That is magnificent I can't picture you Without a, a beard So That's I, not I, That's not even a real beard Has it been grown it For the 13 years since Darryl Darryl the question is Who was fighting 
Motherwell Civic Centre. Would it have? Uh, wouldn't it been Craig Doherty? Would it? Um, would it not have been? And just with the Motherwell, was it? What was his name again? Barry Morrison. Is that the name? Could have been. Is that the reason? Could, that even Barry, the right name. He, he might have been on. I don't think he'd have headlined it. I thought was it a Craig Doherty or? Anyway. I just thought I'd bore you all to tears with that wee story Those just the just a personal days covering the boxing with you uh, Jerry's in Airdrie, what have you got for us Jerry? Uh, good, after, uh, good evening gentlemen uh, Can I just say uh, I wish all your uh, family and friends are uh, and well at this time Thank you very thank much, you. same to you well, Thank you very much um, Been an FC Bayern since uh, 1972 I have to admit it was uh, the England national football team that uh, sort of turned me when uh, West Germany came over to play them at uh, Wembley in 1972, had uh, six of the Bayern team in it, um, Meyer through Beckenbauer, Honus, Gerd Müller, and uh, they pumped them 3-1. And I was, I'm sorry for using the word pump, but yeah, they <laughs> did. quite all right. <laughs> <laughs> they pumped them, and uh, I was, uh, I said, German football's pretty good. These guys look good, so I stuck with them. Uh, it was just uh, sort of exaggerated by my cousin Richard, who happened to be in the uh, spearhead department, uh, spearhead division, United States Army. He was based in Frankfurt, and uh, when he was on leave, he would come and stay with my grand, and he would always bring um, kicker magazines, and they always had a centre, they always had a poster in them, and my wall is full of FC Bayern, Franz Beckenbauer. George Fatsenbeck the uh, the full shooting match I had them covered my wall oh, brilliant most, most guys had uh, you know Ferraris and uh, well Capris at the time I take it put other centre folds on their wall uh, put, uh, put other centre folds <laughs> on their wall uh, uh, well I, I, I'm, I'm sorry to say I had set Maya looking down uh, at me uh, from my room so uh, and the, the sad thing is I still have every one of those posters and being the anorak I laminated them all so so they wouldn't fray. So uh, yeah, I've, uh, I've still got them. Um, Jerry, that's not sad. That's oh, magnificent. That's I love to hear that. So have you managed to to sort of stay in, in touch with it over the years or have you fallen away at any stage? My, uh, my, the only game that I... Uh, I'm, I'm sorry to say, but the only game I actually paid to get into was uh, with my mate at the time, Tony. Uh, European Cup final, 1976, Hamden. And uh, I had my genuine... Red Adidas top on, and I was in with the San Etienne fans. My God, <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm not going to make it out of here alive. And the thing was, San Etienne played them off the park. I think they hit the bar and post six, seven times uh, before Franz Roth hit that free kick. And uh, I jumped so high, and I have never had so many daggers in the back of my head. <laughs> Hugh, you'll re- you remember that, I'm sure. Yeah, in fact, I went some years later to Saint-Étienne and there is, in the uh, Saint-Étienne equivalent of George Square, there is a pub, pub restaurant called Le Glasgow. So that's how much they enjoyed their time. <laughs> Jerry, I love that. that was, that's exactly I mean, what I was looking for. The detail, the commitment. The detail, commitment. I mean, meant to us, we still got them. Not, not all just, you know, sort of... Lukewarm fans like myself are just tuning in this weekend. Right and, and down to the authentic Adidas top. Exactly. Not the, not the fake one. Yeah, I can't, the real authentic. I can't one. compete with that. I've just been given Hoffenheim out of a hat and been told to stick with them. Uh, another season, another treble on Twitter says he agrees with you. He's gone, has to be Dortmund. Two reasons Murdo, 
Legendary Celtic player uh, he's, he's also gone Paul Lambert Champions League winner Andy Hinkle He mentions Mark Blackburn's got a soft spot For Union Berlin Attended one of the matches On a stag do What a stadium Unbelievable atmosphere That could be a whole Separate topic I think How many people have adopted A team as Based a result a Of a stag do Yep there must be loads oh, there's, been, there's been plenty um, Especially in that part of the world Have you um, Taken in many German games? I Ironically enough I couldn't remember the name Half an hour ago But um, I went to Borussia Mönchengladbach Because Got quite friendly With Reiner Bonhoff When he was Scotland under 21 Manager And Reiner was Really popular in Scotland I think arguably more popular Than Bertie Votes was As a squad manager So kept in touch I went over to see him As the the, the king of München Gladbach now I think he's um, Vice president or, or president there So Loved Loved watching German football Loved watching some of the The great players You talk about Erlen Hallander the, From a footballing perspective The real Downer Was Interrupting What was a flow Like I've never seen before A, a footballer who At 19, 20 years Was an utter phenomenon So Looking forward to seeing him Back tomorrow I'll tell you what If he's looked this up Fair enough But if it's from memory This is outstanding Um Oh, oh no, we've now got conflicting. Oh, no. oh, we've got conflicting reports. John for number five. No, no, for for um for the boxing match that he took us to. Oh, <laughs> John the Bomb Graham tweeted, uh, Barry Morrison calling lines was the eighth of June two thousand and seven, but he says eleventh of May was Paul Appleby et al in the Civic Centre, and your esteemed colleague Ronnie Esplin, who was probably uh, there that night, he's, and has got a better memory he, than he me. He says Kevin Anderson versus Eamon McGee. Yes, I think it was Kevin Anderson. I mean, I, it definitely wasn't Barry Morrison. You don't have to take my. I mean, John nope. the Bombs maybe been swayed by the fact that I mentioned it was around this time of year. I, for, there's every chance I've got that I, I wrong. I think it was Ke- no, definitely Kevin Anderson. There we go. Uh, right, I think we've got one more on the teaser. What was it? The striker whose name I forget. Did uh, yeah, that might t- well be him. T- Tony Mowbray sign him from West Brom and take him back to West Brom. Oh, Double I think barrel. you've got it. Oh, oh, I think you've got it. No. Hugh, can you fill in the detail? Oh. Oh. Go on then, Daryl I'm the tip of my tongue Is it double barreled something? Yes oh. he, he didn't manage to get a cap for France Yeah It's not helped me right now Well, double barreled first it, name, I guess, yeah Marco Antoine Fortuny Yes, we got there in the end Well we done, go. Mark Antoine Fortuny Happy with that, Hugh? Wow Tremendously well done Not as happy as I am Salvaging that's, that a muscle of respectability That makes up for Bogheed <laughs> It does <laughs> uh, Indeed right I think that just about does it I think So thank you very much to Jerry, The Bayern Munich fan from Airdrie I mean Wonderful. Things Wonderful. you never thought you would see On Clyde One Super Scoreboard But thank you to Jerry for Being the final call this evening uh, Thanks to everyone who called And apologies if you couldn't get through Thank you for all your tweets It's been quite a week uh, I think you'll agree It does look like the league The Premiership certainly will be called At the beginning of next week And I'm sure you'll all want to have your say on that So Monday night we're back here at 6 o'clock In the company of Hugh Keevans And Alex Ray So jot down the number over the weekend 01419511025 Join us on Monday night from 6 In the meantime You might as well stay right there Because if you really want to get your weekend started We've got just the chap GBX Fridays next Live streamed on George's Facebook page as well He'll look after you
It was Super Scoreboard. With Thompson's personal injury solicitors. Tackling compensation claims for more than 40 years. Talk to Thompson's.com.